Welcome to the Oracle. This is a podcast where you will hear innovative and curious minds. Together, we will explore what makes a difference in cities, homes, and for the planet at large. The Oracle is produced by Monk Studios in collaboration with IKEA. Peter Ullstad is an architect, teacher and entrepreneur who has investigated the gap between commercial and academic interests in architecture. Focusing on climate change and how to lower CO2 emissions when building new houses. In this episode of The Oracle, he will be talking about reuse of concrete as a way to build a better future. And that's where we start. In the future. A new year promise. I promised myself to become 100 years old. Before New Year, I thought I would end up dead at 80. A couple of months ago, I gained 20 years. What would these 20 extra years look like? What future have I just unlocked? When I look around in the year of 2060, I see my town from a slightly lower eye perspective. It has changed so slowly, so it's not obvious what the difference is. Ground floors and streets sort of fade into one another. The concrete is without borders. I cannot tell if it's old or new, reused or just recently installed. For me, there is no difference. I just know that when possible, all is reused. Nothing else would make any sense. The work as an architect is different nowadays. Our design at the office is not a product of what is possible at the site. I start a new project by looking into the database. What new second-hand slabs and columns are available near the site? What quality do they have? The structure and volumes are a combination of regulations and second-hand availability. New concrete, or rather, new cement, has become so expensive that we have to work with reused materials in all possible situations. Often complemented with wood, of course it affects architecture. I recall the sounds from traffic, and with that in mind, I look over the street and see all different vehicles, specially made for different purposes. All silent, most of them using wheels, some of them moving anyway. I suppose the surfaces are made of old stuff, reused infrastructure. Natural resources are not taken for granted nowadays. I realize that the change has not affected me at all. Probably there was a law or two that made it more profitable to reuse material than to harvest virgin land. And new buildings have a different look now. Everything built after 2030 has its own history with parts from all around. At first it was odd debated, questioned, where do our cultural heritage stand? But now, reused, big-scale design is a natural state. A new era is here. Today, cement is a giant contributor to our global CO2 emission, and the construction industry is responsible for 30% of the global CO2 emission almost the same amount as the whole transport sector. And there is one dominant factor in the 30%, it's cement. Steel, glass, different installations, wood 
are not nearly as bad for the climate as cement. All reduction of cement will be good. Any reuse is good. If we continue to build the way we do today, life on this planet will not be the same for the next generation. The emissions are too high. All smart people agree. They have to be lowered to about half in no time. This is not possible without the construction industry taking part in the decrease. The fastest and easiest way to do this is by reuse. Compared to all vehicles on all roads in all countries and their emission, cement is as bad. No one is talking about it. All research goes into the fleet of moving vehicles. Laws are being put in force by the minute all over the globe regarding fossil fuel vehicles. It's impressive, I must say, and promising. Now it's time to put the same effort into cement, which has the same global carbon footprint as the fossil fuel vehicles. However, I'm optimistic, and I'll tell you why. My name is Peter Ulstad. And I'm speaking to you from Stockholm, Sweden, my hometown, and where I studied architecture a long time ago. Right after school, I started to teach at the same institution, the School of Architecture at the Royal Institute of Technology. I was fortunate to be asked to take the role as vice principal right after graduation, and I think that period really made me understand what architecture and architects can do. The old borders of the profession was questioned, and sometimes I felt I was part of trying to move them. I didn't manage, of course, but I felt like I held the border in my hand. Already as a student, I started the architectural office co-design together with a friend. I kept my evening teaching as well as finishing my studies, and the new company, of course, was not a major thing, more like an interest or a hobby. When I finished my studies and started my full-time employment as a teacher, my friend decided to leave the company. Co-design survived, but did not prosper. I stumbled through a decade. Sketches were produced, <laughs> ideas were frequent, and possibilities endless, but nothing got built. When ten years had passed, and I risked my house three times to revive the company, I really got fond of it. It became personal, almost like a living subject, more than an economical entity. Stupid in many ways, but also a bit true. After trying to change the academical world, without succeeding, of course, I left after 15 years and took my first paycheck from co-design. This changed things. It was not a hobby of mine anymore. It was a serious business. Now I wanted to investigate the gap between commercial and academical interests and started a research company. It's been running for six years and we have focused our interest in trying to understand the spatial situation for the people who never are asked about architecture, immigrants, children, and so on. To investigate the big questions that have the greatest impact for the many is a driving force. And climate change is the most urgent question of them all. The simplest action that makes the greatest impact is to reuse concrete in its refined way. When limestone is turned into cement, it produces a huge amount of CO2. Research is being done on replacing cement with clay, but so far we are dependent on cement for our concrete structures. 
the need to reuse every bit of concrete instead of tearing it down and produce waste piles is urgent. From now on, this is my mission. We cannot say it's too expensive or that we do not have time. We cannot afford to be passive. We don't have time to do nothing. After the Second World War, my grandmother, Medi, struggled to find an income in Budapest, Hungary. And coming from an aristocratic background with no real education more than manners and language, the possibilities were limited. To support her daughter, my mother, she started to work at building sites, tearing reinforcement out of bombed concrete structures. There was an urgent need to recycle the iron and rebuild the city. With gloves, Boots and a sledgehammer, she and her co-workers took apart one ruin after another. And not because it was good for the climate, but because it was the way she made a living. And for the entrepreneurs and the state of Hungary was the most economically efficient way to rebuild the city. The wounds after the bombings needed to be healed, and this was the most efficient method. Left from this episode is her workbook. She used to note down dates and places, the stories she told that are now passed on, and the recycled reinforcement now used in after-war constructions. My grandmother was never there to see the city prosper. She left with my mother when the Russian tanks came in 1957, using a false passport and a ticket to Stockholm. A new start. After a while, she got a job at the chocolate factory putting the chocolate pieces into the right places in the world famous in Sweden, chocolate box, Aladdin, and used her weekends to spend time with me. Tall, in a nice dress, always with a cigarette in her hand, she put on the TV. She had her one glass of whiskey and told everybody in the room, me, in other words, if I had the money, I would become an alcoholic. And the evening continued with games and stories from around the world in a slightly foggy room. The story from the building sites made a special impact on me. Reuse has always been natural. We are that kind of species. The fastest and cheapest way is the right way. My grandmother's work and all before her shows just that. Today, we have the same situation. The fastest and cheapest way to lower our CO2 emission is to start reusing again. The time perspective is not three generations. If we do not start now, the cost of dealing with the problem will increase to amounts that we have no words for. Once a week, I take the paper and bottles to the recycle station. I do it by foot. I do it because it's become a natural routine. Not so much for feeling good about myself anymore. It's visible and therefore satisfying. One bag of magazines leaves our home and we'll be reborn as new paper. Here in Sweden, we have become a society of waste sorters. Paper, tin cans, bottles, electrical stuff and more. We do really care. We collect and sort and teach our children the importance of doing just that. But no matter how little waste me and my family produce, 
the headlines of the forthcoming climate disaster are more and more ominous. And I feel that we need to do more than put old plastic bottles in the right recycle bin. I stumbled into press release from FTI, the Swedish organization for collecting packaging and newspapers. This last Christmas holiday, they high-scored their collecting. All of us, 10 million Swedes, collected together 24,000 tons of paper and recyclable material. That sounds like a lot. And I love the feeling that we are actually making a difference. But let's put it into another context. Because at the same time, the building industry produces 12 million tons on a yearly basis, non-recycled. Tearing down one building and not reusing the parts has the same weight as all the paper collected in the whole country over the biggest paper-using holiday. What would make a difference for real is if we could invest as much effort in reusing buildings as we put in reusing paper. The concrete industry in Sweden produces about 5 million tons of concrete to the construction of houses on a yearly basis. And concrete is a rather simple thing. 80% sand, 16% cement and 4% water. Not very complex in other words. The sand is not a CO2 problem, nor is the water. The cement on the other hand is a major destroyer. Every one kilo of cement equals one kilo of CO2. The reason is that the limestone used for cement production releases CO2 when heated. 8% of the global CO2 emission comes from cement. 8%. Structural building materials are very few. We can look upon them as the big five. Stone, brick, steel, concrete and wood. In modern times, we're only using three of the materials. Steel, concrete and wood. Steel and concrete suck from a climate perspective and wood is not a global asset large enough to replace them. The demolition of buildings in Sweden adds 12 million tons of disposals. The biggest element of the disposal material is concrete. So, if we, when demolishing a house, use bulldozer and use all the material over again, slabs will be used in foundation for roads and so on, we are better than nothing. But what we do for the CO2 is almost nothing. If we use the demolished structures instead of sand in new concrete structures, we still have to use new cement. We do not want to use new cement. To get closer to a better world, we have to start using the concrete with all reinforcement intact. It's a simple idea with a complex solution that is just starting to develop. The writer Jane Jacobs once said, old ideas can sometimes use new buildings, but new ideas must use old buildings. The sentence sums up my thoughts and work at present. It all started on a study trip with my colleagues down to Copenhagen. We visited a project by the Danish architect firm Lendager Group. A project mainly built of recycled building parts. We were all impressed by the ambition and the process. The result 
was of course also nice, but they just turned the process upside down. Instead of having an idea on how things would look, do a design and see if they could find old parts to fit into the new design, they did it the other way around. Collecting parts and designing a new house based on what material they could reuse. This means that the frame for design not only is the site and the needs, but also, as a third rule for designing, what is available in the demolishing industry. We have to look for buildings in the nearby area that are on a schedule to be taken down. Right there, on site, we started to talk about our take on reuse of building materials. High and low, everybody engaged and thrilled. We questioned details, embraced results and ambition, and decided to make this a path of our own. One thing led to another, and arriving back home, I called a good friend at one of Sweden's largest construction companies, as well as the biggest research institute. Together, we applied for a research scholar. Not so long ago, it was a completely natural thing to mend an old sock. It was much more time efficient and economical than making a new one. Today, most of us would just throw it in the trash and buy a new pair. But we must go back to another way of thinking about reuse. And that goes a lot way further than socks. Because there are differences in reuse and recycle, both are necessary, both are doing good. And we have to learn more about how good they are and when to use what process. In the old days, a worn-out sock was stopped, which was easier than knitting a new one. A worn-out structure could be used to make a new structure. The biggest investment in time and money was put in refinement. Spare parts is a term that we have to reclaim. It will take more time and we have to become more handy. I hate all shops where smart tools to mend everything are stacked. But I do understand that I will have to become friends with the tools. We all have to. Our global CO2 emission is mainly an effect of the life we live in the so-called developed world. It has three major negative contributors sharing 30% each. It's industry, transportation and construction. This is not all true, but almost. The rest is everything else. We know as private consumers that our choices in transportation give an effect on CO2 emission. And a lot of us use that consumer power to take the train instead of flying, driving with electric cars instead of fossil fuel driven ones, and so on. We try, but it's hard to use our consumer power to affect the industry. Since it's not a headline issue, we really need to find our own knowledge, which is tricky since there are no comparable sources that make us feel sure we are doing the right thing when we pick one product before another. Not picking any is of course always more climate friendly. The third big polluter in the CO2 race is the construction industry. It's at the same time simple and complex. The whole building process is quite low-tech. The way to make money inside it is to buy cheap and sell for as much as possible. The margin between production cost and selling price, that's the profit. Since the price of the construction parts are affecting the margin in such a direct way, there are few, close to no reason to buy a climate neutral product if there is something else cheaper on the market. And there always is. 
The real estate business dominant finance comes from banks and retirement funds. Us, in other words. We want as high pensions as possible, and the ones taking care of our money hopefully delivers on that agreement. Our money is put into profitable real estate projects, and we retire with a bit more money to spend, but a future that's more unsustainable than ever. The application me and my colleagues wrote after our visit in Copenhagen went through and was followed with other applications. As we speak, we have applied three times with a larger and larger group and partners and have been granted all three times. We are now scaling up our research in the field of reuse of heavy structures, steel and concrete. Our aim is simple, pretentious and necessary. All buildings that no longer are needed should be reused. The less CO2 transmission, the better. Laws will have an effect, but they will not happen if we cannot prove that it's possible to reuse old structures. And I don't mean design-wise, I mean construction-wise, emission-wise, logistic-wise, guarantee-wise, money-wise, time-wise. All these questions and many more needs to be answered before we can push the lawmakers into changing the building industry. So one by one we are dealing with each sub-project and are developing prototyping and testing our findings with our partners on real projects. We are presently looking into three different existing heavy structures. One in steel, one in prefabricated concrete and one in a cast-in-place construction to see what we can reuse and what process we have to develop to reuse it, with a life cycle perspective from a CO2 viewpoint on every step of the way. It's frustrating to see how slow this process is, but it has to be right. We cannot afford to slip, forget or look the other way when we stumble into new obstacles. We have to be certain and prove that it works and how to do it. Time and money says no to reuse. It's only when we take CO2 into account that old materials can compete with new ones. So even if you and I find it easy to understand how the future will look, we will need the help of lawmakers. It's impossible to make reused concrete as cheap as new without making new concrete pay for the CO2 emission. If you can lower the CO2 emission from cement production or replace some of the limestone in cement, it will pollute less but reuse will always win the CO2 race. The era of recycling will continue and the era of reuse will be reborn. The tipping point was yesterday and will continue. Two years ago, everybody was talking about a change. Seminars and company values used sustainability as the first and last word in every sentence. And it did have an effect. The boards heard the word and are now taking action. Two major real estate companies have decided to demand life cycle analysis on each building part on their new productions. The CO2 emission is counted by the kilo and we are right now designing a big complex where time, money and CO2 are all relevant and discussed on equal terms. It's not a greenwash movement or argument but the consequence of several boards' strategic decisions and individuals that just don't let go. This will give results. 
buildings will not be built with only reused materials, and that is not even a relevant aim. The effect is not what we build, the effect is in what we save and reuse. So let's focus on not wasting anything that in any way can be reused. It's the only way to achieve eternal life for the Earth. Now, when we know that the Earth is a three-dimensional sphere and our favorite planet in the universe, let's make everybody you and I know understand that it's not enough to order ecological coffee on our flight to Bangkok. We have to do even more. When we succeed with all the above, we can focus on playing games and drink a glass of whiskey with our grandchildren. That wish might seem small today, but I long for it to be the most important one. When our global questions are answered, we can again focus on the ones we love. I said I was optimistic. Now you know why. You've listened to The Oracle, a podcast produced by Munk Studios in collaboration with IKEA for the International City Expo H22 in Helsingborg, Sweden 2022. More details and all the episodes are found at h22.ikea.com.